Good morning, everyone. My name is Felicity. Today we are in conversation with Kim and with Mbali about sexual health in as a youth in South Africa. <laughs> um, Mbali, if you want to start by introducing yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Mbali Shongwe and I'm the program manager for Black Health. I'm very keen for this conversation. I think there's lots to learn. Um, and then, Kim, you don't mind if I give you a quick little introduction? No, go for it. I love it. I love to hear what people say about me. Yeah. Can I quickly <laughs> ask what your pronouns are? I don't really care. Um, I found that like having to correct people takes out more of my emotional labor <laughs> and energy um, than just letting people speak. But I do prefer they and them. Um, but really, it's it's neither here nor there. I know who I be. Okay, great. As long as as long as everyone's comfortable. <laughs> So just to give you some background on Kim and the amazing work that you've done, um, Kim's a human rights defender and graduated from UCT with a degree in Western classical music. Mm. Kim, do you want to tell us a bit about yeah. that? <laughs> That's not what we know you for. Yeah, you know, I, w- I was raised in a very musical family, very mm. artistic family, and I was obsessed with singing. My mom always said that I sang before I spoke. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, and so I decided to go into the creative field. Mm. Uh, but then, yeah, I studied. I graduated uh, from the University of Cape Town with music, uh, but decided to go in a different direction. Already, mm. I think, like halfway through my degree, I realized uh. that I don't want to do singing. But you know, as brown people... <laughs> yeah, you have to finish what you started. We paying dank money. I'm like, okay. So I decided to rather finish and then go into the space, which mm. I love. A hundred percent. I think the space loves you back. Yeah. <laughs> we shout out. Uh, yeah, I was going to say fast forward to today, and you're a co-host of a show on Showmax uh, titled "Sex and Pleasure." Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience on that? Yeah. Okay. So "Sex and Pleasure." Um, is a show, as an eight-part docuseries that mm. I created alongside Romantha Buerta, who is a mm. journalist, amazing human being. And so we came up with this eight-part docuseries and then reached out to a, a production company, Idea Candy. Mm-hmm. They also produced Rosemary's Hitlist that just came oh, out, Fine yes. Heist, Devil's Door, all of the major Ooh. documentaries in South Africa. And we were like, we want to create a docuseries on sex that is very, very comprehensive mm-hmm. and very layered in its complexity. Um, so we decided to create an eight-part docuseries, each episode focusing on a different theme and how that theme relates to sex and pleasure. Mm. So the themes that we came up with was parenting and education. That was our first theme. Love and sex, second episode. Uh, sex work and sex, drugs and sex, expression, orgasm and sex, disability and sex, age and sex. And then our final one, spirituality and sex, which mm. as you know, spirituality is a big factor Huge. in terms of how people view sex as well and pleasure mm. in their day-to-day lives. And so the docuseries will just take you through, you know, clinicians, doctors, other types of medical health practitioners, but also your anecdotal chats, yeah. mm. like folks like me and you or yeah. us sitting around chatting about sex and our own experiences. Mm. So it really takes you on a journey um, and it shows South Africa completely, South Africa, mm. South Africans as how they understand sex and pleasure and I. And I really, really love that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I actually wanted to ask you, um, out of the topics that you guys um, discuss on the show, what do you think just from your perspective, like whether it's social media or your engagement with comments on the show, which do you think has given you the greatest response from the audience? Mm. Oh, wow. Like what are, which themes? Yes. Whoa. Um, I, mm, wow. That's a very interesting one. Cause you get different types of responses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. Um, 
I think the sex work one was was one that people were very surprised by, especially about the progressive nature and where South Africa in terms of its legal framework lies when it comes to sex mm. work. I mean, currently it is fully criminalized, so I don't want to, you know, act like it's not, but we are working towards it being fully decriminalized by 2024. Mm. Parliament oh, and various true. departments are very open to the discussions. It has been tabled. It is, you know, it has been put out to the public vote as well. So I think in South Africa, we are praying hoping, manifesting, whatever your denomination <laughs> is, that by 2024 or within the year 2024, it will be decriminalized. Mm. Um, so sex work was a very big discussion. I also think the first episode on parenting um, and education, because people are used to understanding sex and how to parent when it comes to sex in a certain way. Mm. But we try to be really, really broad in the types of conversations we had in our first episode. So we brought in an intersex activist who's mm. also intersex, Ntabise uh, Mokwena, mm. and they spoke about how, what to do when you realize you have an intersex kid. Like people don't know this shit, no, you, you know. You learn it in, in mom school and dad school. <laughs> in school, you don't <laughs> learn about yeah. it, right? And so we try to be as layered and as complex in how to be, how to parent and how to understand certain things, how to educate not only yourself, but also those that you're around mm. um, in that episode. And I think that episode also brought out a lot of, a lot of feedback. Mm. But overall, every episode had something that people yeah, had to say 100%. about it and write about. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so I think we're going to jump into some of our topics. We did have an icebreaker. I was going to ask you guys <laughs> which um, TV shows you've been watching. I know you touched on uh, Devil's Door, but on Rosemary's <laughs> Hitless. I was actually watching Rosemary's Hitless last night. How bizarre is that? It is so bizarre, but it's actually, and maybe it might sound a bit crazy to say, but it was so insightful, I think to watch a female serial killer. Like I really haven't seen anything like that, let alone a South African one that was then in the police force. Like they really, that was really incredible journalism. I knew nothing <laughs> about this. So adding it to the watch list. Yeah. <laughs> I added it to my watch list literally before it, it was came even, out. before it even came out. Yeah. But what have you been watching? I've been doing a range. I think everyone's been watching The Ultimatum. Oh, <laughs> Queer love. Um, interesting. Like, I think I was so excited for it to come out. I thought when they said queer, it was going to be a lot more diverse. Like, I thought that there was going to be, like, you know, all sorts. But I think that I'm really, like, as a starter, it was cool. I think the personalities, there was a lot of personality. There was a lot of a representation of um, a lot of, like, toxic ha habits and things that exist. And I think a lot of the people on the show, what I realize i was like you know i'm judging these people like i'm saying oh my gosh that's so toxic or this person is shutting down this person is so dismissive but i remember reading something after the fact where people were like when you are in front of the camera and your life is playing out real time and you're watching it back it's like a mirror like you never saw like mm. all of those parts of yourself or you never actually knew like some of these people actually are genuinely like i never knew i was toxic i never knew i responded or i was so dismissive or i shut down and i was like you know that's actually a really human experience like because mm -hmm. i think i'm sure if everyone recorded every second of my life there would be a lot of stuff that i don't even know i did so i think that was a interesting reflection yeah. after watching that but i agree but i also wish that they had a queer host mm. like i don't understand why yes. there was a straight woman because she didn't add anything to it and even with the the straight version of it yeah that host oh, it was nick Lachey and them but yeah, they at least added some there was something Personal, that they added personality yes. or like some experience that they could add to the whole thing she exactly. didn't add she added zero like mm. it was really she boring. didn't even like seem like she knew the show like no she, she was just sitting there, was just like, there like hey i'll see you next week <laughs> and then like 
triple hyphenated surname. It's like, it's really. <laughs> she was really, really in the background. She was yeah. Really in the, background. the one thing actually that I do remember in that show that I thought was a bit crazy, and maybe I just like live under a rock or haven't been watching <laughs> TV, but the amount of sex that they showed on it. Yeah, it was like, like brother. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Especially considering that these are like, it was a reality show. They're not acting out. You know, it's not, you're not yes, watching yes, Fifty Shades not, of Grey. Yes. You're watching a reality show and like, you know, I always wonder, obviously for these people, you obviously do sign contracts and things like that, but I'm just like the level of exposure, like you can see in the thing when someone's giving someone head, like you can yeah, see. You they can even see. play the moans, actually. Yeah. They actually don't play the moans. And, the, and then it said, furtive moaning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the I was like, damn girl. Okay, you get into but it. If, in, for interest's sake, you, you mentioned how you were hoping for a bigger representation. Mm. So was I. Mm. But I thought that they were all just like lesbians. Mm. But then afterwards, I also read up on some of the literature and they were saying that there are actually a couple of non-binary people in there, mm. but it was never discussed or handled by production okay. in terms of like, okay, so everyone must introduce themselves with their pronouns or whatever it may be. So I think maybe for next time, there's something that they can, they can rather learn. like structure it so that people know, the viewers know mm. ahead of time. Okay, these are the queer folks. These are their, their, their pronouns. Let's all like... Especially to a mainstream audience. Yes, to a mainstream audience. They're not really aware of these things. Mm. So it, for next time, maybe they can yeah, do that. Yeah, 100%. But I fucking love that show, man. Nah. <laughs> Guilty <laughs> pleasure. Feels, <laughs> Guilty pleasure. I have no shame. It was amazing. Um. So yeah, I think even just talking about queer love, I think there's a lot of um, marginalized groups and things that need to be spotlighted when it comes to sex and sexual health. Um, I think the queer community is just one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Bali, I know for you, do you have any other communities that you think? Um, uh, I think definitely the, the disabled community, big one. Um, I think different racial communities just respond to sex differently. So I don't think that necessarily there's one group that we have to speak about, but I think that it's good to acknowledge where each group is at or what um, limitations or experiences they all have you know and how they link mm. and how like sex is just all linked in general it, it doesn't have to be this thing of like queer sex this is the definition straight sex this is the definition people with disability sex this it's, is the definition it's we really can look at finding ways of linking them together. all and bridging them all together with its educational or even in the physical act of it mm. um it's not that much different sex is pleasure Yes, 100%. that is really what it is. What it is about. But I think that that's important to note because I don't think it's ever been taught that way to me. So yeah. like that's something I had to go out of my way to learn. Like that's not something that um, I thought of when I thought of sex originally. And I think that my understanding and meaning that I link towards sex is has changed so much. Even in the past two years, in the past three years, like constantly at different stages, it's changing. And I think it's really cool for us to acknowledge that. I don't know how it's been for you guys. If you've had like a fluid. Um, understanding of sex or throughout your life has it meant the same thing or been the same oh, thing no. to you definitely not always change <laughs> yeah like in the beginning especially with what you see on tv mm. and whatever it's like oh okay i need to know what i'm doing like i need to suck that dick a certain way <laughs> i need to do all of these things i need to be i need to keep him at that time him because yeah, i was always. very straight i have to keep him you know, engaged with me so that he doesn't go anywhere else so that I'm the baddie in the bedroom, right? Mm. That was always my way of seeing it. I mean, I'm still the baddie in the bedroom. Yes. But that time it was more about, I'm going to cater to you. Yeah. Like, I'm performative. Yeah. Exactly. Very performative. Mm. In the same breath, performance is important in the bedroom. But you got to know the difference. Am I now performing outside of my own pleasure realm? 
mm. for someone else or am I performing for both of us? Mm. Which I think is also important. Performance mm. is not bad. Yeah. I it's think that it's level a beautiful of intention. Thing. It's yeah. not level of intention. What exactly. is the reason for this? How safe do I feel doing this? Yes. Is, it, is it my vibe? Exactly. <laughs> is it my vibe? And right now, I think, like, so as you said, like, it's just changed. It used mm. to be all about the dude, all about the dick. And then it just started to be like, well, actually, I also want something. And then you just grow and grow and grow until you get to this point where you're just like, sex is about pleasure. Mm. If you can't please me, you can try again, maybe one more time, maybe two more times. If you still can't please me, okay, deuces. <laughs> yeah, twice was enough. <laughs> yeah, here's two fingers. You didn't yeah. contribute any. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for me, I've definitely had very, the kind of cookie cutter sanitized experience okay. of like section, sex, sexual education. Um, I think obviously like in Allo, especially one thing that I'm noticing now as I'm older and moving into more like queer spaces and being more, I guess, being more bisexual. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Um, but yeah, the lack of those conversations, even a dental dam, I think I found out about when I was like 21. Like mm-hmm. that was not something that, you know, we, we learned about in school, which I think is like, it's definitely unfair but I think that noting that that disservice has been done, I think I was saying to Mbali in an earlier conversation that it's very important that as an adult and as a person who's having sex, you take it on as any other responsibility. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if you're going outside during the cold, wear a jacket. If you're going outside when it's raining, you know, take a, take an umbrella. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there is a level of, of responsibility that I think is important to take on as a mm-hmm. person who's having sex. Like if you want to do this fun, adult, pleasurable thing, which it is, mm-hmm. like you also kind of have a responsibility just to take the precautions. And I mm-hmm. promise you that's only going to make it more fun and regardless of your gender i think for a lot of especially straight people um, and i speak for who i used to be in the past as well if someone is like calling me over or we want to have sex or whatever me i rock up without no condom like i mean i'm assuming you have the condom Mm. and i think that is a a type of thing that we need to move past Mm. if i'm coming to you i'm better make sure that we have condoms because it it doesn't matter what your yeah. gender is, whether you're the woman, the man, the non-binary, it doesn't make sense. Mm. I mean, it doesn't make, it doesn't uh, matter. Yeah. Sorry, rather. Um, carry your condoms and make yeah. sure that you put your protection first. first that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, my mom, like, as soon as she found out that I was the person <laughs> that was having sex, she was like, okay, girl, like, I'm not going to shame you or whatever. But she was like, one standard practice is you must always carry condoms. And I remember in the beginning, it was always like a joke. Like my friends, whenever they see me at the bar, like they're asking for lip gloss and they see condoms in my bag. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> but like, what is, like what's your plans and your ambitions for the night? So it's like, it's not an ambition or I'm not like chasing anything. But if the possibility or if it occurs, I need to be protecting myself exactly. and I need to put myself first because now they'll tell you there's no condoms in the room and we're all looking at each other and I'm like no mm-hmm. don't worry I got you like you know like I think it's very important for us to start like taking ownership of our own sexuality exactly. and our sexual experiences like because I don't think it was ever given to us like you said it, like it's always about the dick about the dude like it's mm. so exciting for it to be something that I'm engaging in like willingly and in a way that prioritizes me as well so. exactly because if you stay ready you don't have to get ready so mm-hmm. your friend's asking you what's your plans for the night girl I just got condoms I'm no. staying ready <laughs> just in case just in case <laughs> you have a pop <laughs> bank I have condoms <laughs> yes, like we sorted <laughs> we're ready for the night <laughs> um, so yeah I think also just going on to Mbali's touched on a bit of like speaking about sexual shame. Mm. I think that also that, yeah, just exactly what you said, like it happens to people who are 
maybe just free. They get mm. labeled as promiscuous. People that are less active get labeled as prudes. Mm. But it's like trying to change that narrative. And I think, Kim, you definitely like have been doing the work in terms of that. Mm. Um, but changing the narrative to, I think, to dismiss some of the shame, but not even just to get it to ob objectivity. I think we really want to get people to look at sex from a different perspective. Mm. And I would ask you, like, how, how do you think we could could move away from, from a, shaming, a shaming or shameful community? Mm. <sighs> That's a tough question. Um, because the shame comes from somewhere, right? Um, the shame comes from our parents, well, many of our parents, not all of our parents. Mm. I mean, you seem to have had a mom who is very open, you know, mm. but she works in the medical field as yeah. well, the sexual <laughs> medical field. So that would make sense, right? Mm. But I think like it's about understanding where the shame comes from and what communities they come from. A lot of our parents shame us and say that you're going to be disowned if you have premarital sex. Our pastors tell us that you're going to go to hell yeah. if you have premarital sex or if you come out as gay or trans or whatever it may be. Our politicians try to take away our rights, mm. try to take away free condoms, try to take away the things that we that we need, right? Our teachers tell us, I had a teacher, I also say this in Sex and Pleasure, but I had a teacher who, when I was 14, told me that if I use a public restroom, I can get an STI from sitting on the toilet seat, right? Mm -hmm. And she made it this shameful thing. She made STIs to be such a bad thing that made me never want to get tested when I eventually got um, became yeah. se sexually active or became yeah. partaking mm -hmm. in the sex and the pleasure. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? So, it's about understanding where the shame comes from and then trying to reframe that. And it's sad. It's so sad. Imagine a world where we were raised where those same people continue to talk to us about sex, but the way that they speak to us about it is more informative and mm -hmm. it gives us the tools to make our own decisions without that shame. Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like people say things like, oh, we don't talk about sex enough in our communities. We need to have more of these conversations. We need to do more of this. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about sex. But what I just told you really shows that that's a lie. We do talk about sex. It's in every part of our livelihoods and, 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 and where we, we're at. But it's the how. Mm. How are we talking about sex? How are we as parents reinforcing the shitty politics about sex that we got when we were kids into mm. our current kids. Mm. Um, you know, how are the places or the TV shows that we allow our kids to watch also giving them Shaping. tons of shame when mm. it comes to sex and pleasure or just understanding their bodies. It doesn't even have to be about sex. Mm. Um, so the question you're asking me is very hard to, to, to answer because for me it was about experiencing all the negative shame talk. I had to go through all of that to start to unlearn it mm. um, and to actively take on that responsibility mm. to unlearn it. So I just hope for one day we can live in a society where when you're born, no one shames you about your questions that you have and the type of experiences that you want about your sexual orientation, mm. what have you. Mm. And I think you yeah, are starting to have constructive conversations so much earlier. Like I think in the show I was watching last night um, and someone made a comment of like, um, my children are 18 and 21 and I'm still not having that conversation because if I don't have the conversation, then it's not real. Like if they're not coming to me about sex, then maybe they're not having it. But I just think that it's so much like, it's such a negative way to think of it because it's like, if you teach them, like you said, like any other thing that you're teaching them in life, like you're learning to walk, you're learning not to talk to strangers, you're learning, like you should be learning those things about consent. You should be learning those things about 
Like when granny's asking to kiss you on the cheek and you don't want to, you can say no. Like, mm. And that's okay. Like you don't have to hug auntie every single time if they're making you uncomfortable. And I think like introducing those conversations and normalizing it instead of making it a taboo. Like mm. if you're starting early, the questions come earlier, the conversations come earlier and it can be an honest and positive conversation. Like we don't all have the answers. And I think also that's important to like note. Like sometimes, especially when I was like, um, questioning my sexuality and starting to have those questions. Like, I knew I could go to my mom because my mom is just open like that. Um, but she also was honest about, like, girl, I'm not a queer person. <laughs> I haven't done that research, but, like, let's do it together. Like, what are your questions? Let's look. Let's, you know, and she plugged me into so many valuable resources that I use today that I'm engaging today. And I'm like, let's be honest. Like, parents don't know everything. Like, even as a friend, like, I think peer support and Peer learning is like where I get the most information <laughs> yes. about sex. Like as a start, like that's where I started to have the conversations. Obviously now it's more, but like we also like as friends, we have to also say, hey, girl, I don't know. Like when you're asking me, mm, like, I, I don't know, I'm having this experience or this weird thing's happening to my body. Like, let's also say, I don't know. And then yeah. like we can have honest and constructive conversations. But I think it's important that we talk. Mm. And like saying, I don't know is a part of the conversation because then let's learn. Like let's like spread out let's as Google opposed together. to, like yes. let's not talk about it so that it's not happening. Or like our parents thinking, like if we don't talk about it it's not real like <laughs> mm. I think it just opens up the floor for so many more negative experiences and also like on the flip side like uh, we always have to bring the context to South Africa like so many violent and bad things do happen and if we're not talking about sex in general when the negative thing happens how do I bring it up exactly. and how I like how, how do I not have shame about that element when there's shame around sex in general mm -hmm. exactly so, yeah I think it's, it's so nuanced and there's so many different like elements but like a conversation just needs to be a conversation and mm. the starting point for learning for sharing for anything mm. I think also in the sex conversation there's a lot of this like ignorance is bliss narrative mm. so it comes um from that aspect about like not talking about maybe your kids um having it or whatever but then there's also the aspect of I think especially with like STDs and STIs where it's like if I just don't get tested, then I don't uh, know that I have it. So then I don't have it. Mm -hmm. You see? And then that, that I think also can obviously be very like harmful because it doesn't help us have any healthier sex as a society, yes. you know? And I think, um, Kim, maybe you can also speak to, speak to this, like speak to the STIs and the, the STDs and maybe from your perspective, what you're seeing commonly like amongst young people. Yeah. Well, I'm seeing, <laughs> as you said, I mean, again, I'm not a doctor or a clinician, mm. so I don't want to speak from that perspective. But some of the things that you can see here is, again, that attitude of like ignorance is bliss. Mm. If I don't have a symptom or if I choose not to see a change in my body, even though I knew I had unprotected sex a couple of weeks ago and something's happening, then I can just move on with my life mm. and I don't have to... Um, really care about it right and everyone's just talking about like raw dogging and enjoying each other and I mean I can also like affirm that like when I was mm -hmm. younger I was also one of the people saying I don't I don't really like condoms I'm using it mm -hmm. but I don't really like it because I love that feeling of skin to skin mm -hmm. okay girl you can like the, the feeling of skin to skin but that is not something that is responsible for anybody involved mm -hmm. because the person you're having sex with they're having sex with other people you're having sex with other people. Let's like respect each other's, um, uh, uh, let, let, let's respect each other's health yeah. so that we can actually be, enjoy the pleasure that comes, that comes with it, regardless of whether you're wearing a condom, mm -hmm. right? And I think when we as young people or, yeah, when people share with each other and they say to each other, yeah, I don't like wearing condoms. 
someone else now. They've never even tried a condom, but they're just going to go off and be like, yeah, Mm. condoms, Mm -mm. it's not for me. (laughs) The next thing your friend tells another friend, condoms ain't for me. Meantime, they've never even tried all the condoms out there. Mm. I had sex (laughs) recently with someone using the Trojan, like a Trojan packet. I'd never Mm -hmm. used Trojan before, Mm -hmm. but he came around and both of us had Trojan. I was in New York, so I had to buy my own condoms. Mm. And um, it was actually really nice. Mm. it, it, It didn't feel any different to me at all um so there are different types of condoms that you can try try the feather light from durex mm. try that gold trojan pack try different ones that bring you as close to the skin to skin feeling you don't have to um remove pleasure just because you don't want to wear a condom mm. there are ways of protecting each other mm. but there was also a conversation that we had earlier on where you were like about a friend of yours or someone that you yes. know who is a high risk. Cause do you want to tell the story? Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about sure, that. Sure, sure. So I was actually, I was listening to a podcast this morning and um, this person was just noting how they are very sexually free and they enjoy having sex without, um, without condoms. And what they do do though, they said that that comes with a lot more communication so it's, it's, it's basically creating for yourself um, a safe experience around you, communicating with all your partners and getting tested. If you know that this is something, I enjoy the freedom of it and I enjoy the feeling of this, then that's what you have to do to be able to access that. Mm. So yeah, this person is bisexual. They communicate to both of their partners or yeah, to all kinds of their partners that, you know, like if you, if you want to, you know, if you want to get under the sheets this week, I'm having a busy week. <laughs> like my schedule's booked schedule's up. Packed. You know, schedule's packed. So just know that you are at high risk. If the person still then, you know, is happy to have sex without a condom, that's great. They're, they, informed. They, they, they're informed and had the option to say yes or no based on information that they were given beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I think also, again, a little bit um, into the, the conversation about consent and using condoms and, think like, and things like that. I think it can be very helpful to have those conversations a little bit before mm. because there's a part there's there's a part in a time during like sex or even just the whole the whole the whole foreplay of it where you just get, like get lizard brain like mm. you're human your desire <laughs> takes over like right now you're not going to be like so what you, you said in about all the... past in all in all your past relationships mm. like it's that's not going to happen because that's not what you're thinking and you shouldn't ever i think shame yourself for that mm. you know because again, it's desire that's human. That's why you're doing it, because it's fun. Mm. Brain is a real thing. I mean, I'm someone, I've been working in this space for 10 years. Sometimes I'm sitting across from someone and damn, I'm, it's an ocean down here. Ocean gate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. For Too literal, soon. literal pussy inclusion. And I'm like, I really... <laughs> it's going down now. I really, like, I really want this person. Like, it's, it's, it's hot, it's hot. And mm. I'm saying to myself, yo, 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 I say to myself, I've got a con in my bag. Like, i got it, you know. Mm. And you, as you said, you get lizard brain. Like, people say things for people with dicks. Oh, yeah, this dude is just thinking with his dick. Bitch, I also have a dick. Yeah. I'm thinking with my clit. It's pulsating. <laughs> and I want something specific right now. Mm. And I'm probably... Or I have something might happen where I don't, you know, think um, about everything. Think about every everything step. in that moment. Yeah. Exactly. So it is a natural thing. But as you said, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you still have your things in your bag. Make sure that you explain this to this person. Mm. Look, I've been high risk and I don't use condoms. In that way, everyone is informed yeah. and the informed consent can happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you don't want to use condoms. Do I actually want to meet up with this person now? Because you, because then you can make now that decision you know. informed exactly. without having lizard brain. 
But if, you know, don't tell me that when you've already lubricated me. Like, it's also... <laughs> be fair. Let's be just fair. all be fair. Yeah, yes. yeah. Let's be fair. <laughs> tell me about this prior to me actually mm. arriving. Otherwise, you've lubricated me, guys. Yeah. Mm. And then something needs to go inside. Yeah. <laughs> Next step. <laughs> um, but there's also a greater conversation, again, about um, high risk and different kinds of risks. Mm. But if you feel comfortable to maybe, yeah, give some body to that conversation about different risks in associated in having sex? I think for me, it's been really complicated because like my orientation to sex as a person is just different. So I'm only going to speak from my personal experience because I feel like that's the best way to go from. I think that for me, like sex has been so linked to safety just because my initial sexual experiences weren't safe. Um, and that's a whole different type of risk. So I know most times we're thinking about sex, it's like this sexual health risks and the risks of, and you know, this is still closely linked, but I think the feeling of safety and security as a person mentally when you're having sex is so important to me. And for me, like, that's like my, like everyone has like their main pillar when it mm. comes to safety and risk and what are you willing to lose or what are you willing to give, you know, when it comes um, to sex. And for my sexual experiences, safety is key. Like for me, if I don't have a partner that I think values my safety, values experiences that I've had that are negative and can hinder my sexual experiences, then if that person doesn't care about that, then they don't care about me and they don't deserve to share that part of me or experience me in that way. So I think it's also like important to think about how, like what will make you feel better in any sexual experience. So I think, yes, if you know that you have condoms, if you have protection that is going to protect you from the healthcare risks, that's important. Um, but for me, it's like, I have to put my emotional condom on. Is this yes. person safe? Do they care about my heart? Do they care about if I'm getting overwhelmed, if I'm stressed out, if something triggers me? Do they have the capacity to share in that with me, to be present, to um, hold space for me? I think that's really important. and It's like really dictated the way in which I navigate sex. But I think that that's also, again, those experiences are why I'm always like ready, why I always have something in my bag. Because I'm like, things happen and things like sometimes are out of your control. Sometimes you're in a situation that's not grand. But if you can put as many, um, I don't know, not barriers, but pillars in place to make yourself as safe as you possibly can be, I think that that's the most important thing. Because psychological damage, all of like that emotional damage, like it's, it's like it's harder than we we think. And it's not so much spoken about. Like we're always speaking about the positive aspects. And I think that, the positive is so good. And like, I'm so happy that I have the like experiences now that I can say that. And sex is pleasurable. It is fun. It is something that can make you feel so fulfilled and loved. But it's, sometimes it's not. And I think it's good to weigh up um, all of those experiences and all of those risks as well. So what is your checklist? Because you say like, you can have the sexual health one, uh, you know, like condoms, blah, blah, blah. But what is your emotional or spiritual checklist to make sure that you feel safe? Yeah, I think that in the beginning, I didn't want to, because I think once you have a sexual trauma, you don't want to make yourself that experience and you don't want to hold it always. So at the beginning, I was always trying to be sexy and free and young. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm just going to do this thing and it's going to be fine. And then I realized, no, like this thing really affects me. So even in trying to be sexy, young and free, sometimes it was triggering because I wasn't presencing something that was very, very real to me and very, very important. So I think my checklist now is, is this a person that I can even share my story with or share what triggers me, share what's happened to me. If not, then already the whole thing's off the table. <laughs> because if I don't feel safe to just talk to you about it in general, like I've had this experience. So I always like 
throwing something light. So GPV, hey. hey. You just see on First the day. date questions. Say, GPV, hey. And then you see what they say. Let your condom fall out of the bag. Oh, for later. <laughs> see if they go. Hmm? Or if they go. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like, I throw in a few things. See how is this person thinking about things and how do they think about sexual safety in general. Mm. So, I, um, and then I just think, presencing the fact that like hey i've had this weird thing happen to me and sometimes i react this way this way this way i share um possibilities of what could happen and then seeing how they respond to that because sometimes mm. you know you do want sex to be freaky and wild and you don't want to deal with somebody who might start crying in the middle of it and that's <laughs> fair like i'm sharing that with you so that you mm. know that that could happen so i think it's just being honest about where i'm at like i think there's no specific checklist it's sort of like speaking through things and sharing like how as if like the same example if i was somebody who was like sexually free and doing high risk activity I would share that so I'm like I'm somebody who you know is a bit more sensitive when it comes to this realm and mm -hmm. I have certain triggers so I think it's important for me to share that with my partner so also like you don't like think that you've done something wrong mm -hmm. or like you know I think it's just important to share where you're at mentally like spiritually I think that that's a yeah. big element for me of like the the mental part takes up a lot of my my brain space when I'm thinking about how I orientate myself towards sex mm -hmm. So Kim, I was going to ask you, Mbali, we're speaking about um, sex and also I think a little bit about making your space safe, like mm -hmm. your, the space that you have, you have sex in a safe one. Mm. Is there anything, is there such thing as a hundred percent safe sex? Mm -mm. That's why nowadays, especially people like SRHR, sexual reproductive health and rights advocates, they speak about safe first sex. No sex is safe. Even mm. a condom cannot protect you from absolutely everything. everything. I mean, if you look at HPV, um, so a condom, I think, if used properly, can protect you against like 70%, mm -hmm. um, even if you do use a condom. Um, and so it's not, there is no such thing as 100% safe sex. Like you will not get pregnant, you will not get an STI or some bacteria or whatever. There is no, no such thing. However, mm -hmm. you can put the elements or your own checklist in place to yeah. ensure that you feel the safest that, that you, you possibly can. can in any given situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, people think that finger fucking is maybe a hundred percent safe but if you don't yeah. wash your hands clean <laughs> under your nails you're gonna make people or if angry. you fuck someone after just eating some spicy fucking kfc <laughs> you can do it. it'll cause it causes it it, it is not safe it can mm. cause other types of things and weird yeasty stuff that's mm. going on in your body and so no there is no such thing as a hundred percent safe sex but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't put the elements in place the ergonomics. The ergonomics. <laughs> Make the things to be yeah. done. A hundred percent. I think also um, safe sex, there's a conversation, I think, about uh, actual tools like the contraceptive that you would use or whatever. But I think that, again, there's the mental aspect of it where it's like your your mind frame even in that situation mm. and how how safe is that? Like, I'm like, if you if you maybe like had a, had a mental breakdown and then you go out that evening that's all going to affect the way you have sex that evening, mm -hmm, you know, okay. or how you woke up this morning or all of those things. And I think also for young people, there's, um, I guess, an argument for, for substance abuse or even just substance use. Mm, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be <laughs> um, abuse, but uh, drug users or alcohol users, I think would obviously be at higher risk for that. You know, if, you, if you're drinking more again in the evening, that's going to even change your... 
what is the word? Your, your, is it your inhibition that alcohol yeah. lowers your inhibition? Yes, so again, you're just more likely to say yes to things that you wouldn't have wouldn't otherwise naturally. said. And again, that's not a bad thing, but mm-hmm. you should just know that. Like a bit later, I'm not going to be my 100% myself, you yes. know? So rather make the decisions now. And I think, mm-hmm. Bali, I remember we were in an English class and one of our like English teachers first taught us, she was gearing us up for a very serious... Um, there was like a big rugby weekend. If you guys yeah. know Hilton and Michael House, there's, <laughs> there's major rugby weekends um, that happen there. And there's this big after party that happens for the high schoolers called Red Black. So our school was like super conservative. So they're speaking to us about this party where like we're going to drink and like people, there's just, you bad know, things people, are gonna happen, yeah, hey? bad things are going to happen. <laughs> People's stomachs are going to get pumped. You're going to kiss boys. It's going to be horrible. Um, so our teacher gives us a lecture before um, the party and she says to us, you know, it's actually going to serve you to make a lot of your party decisions before no. you go to the party. Hmm. She was like, no one's saying don't drink. No one's saying don't do whatever. But she's like, when you when you think of yourself in that space and in that party, even when you're getting ready, think like, mm-hmm. okay, you kind of want to have two drinks or you want to have three or you want to be at this level. Like when you see yourself at one o'clock, you know, in the, in the morning in that party, how do you this look? This is how or you want to look. How are you? Mm-hmm. Are you dancing with your friends? Are you... You yeah. know, getting your stomach pumped. That's a <laughs> like, very smart teacher. Yeah. Because right? you can take that tool into the rest of your life. I still use In that. any framework. In yeah. any framework. You can think, okay, where where does my comfortability lie? But I want to come back to something you just mentioned about, oh, if you just had a mental health break and you go da- out that night, then, you know, in order to numb yourself even more or whatever, that's going to affect the way that you have sex and the type of decisions mm-hmm. that, that you make. We interviewed for Sex and Pleasure a doctor called Dr. Ramla Khan. Mm. And okay, he was speaking about other stuff, but I feel like we can use that here as well. He said that you need to be able to notice any changes in your body, notice the things that happen in your body in order to make certain decisions, Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like if we, as people can acknowledge where we're at mentally, spiritually, emotionally, that will tell us what type of mental framework we're going to be in, in terms of bringing someone else into our sexual space or going out and drinking a ton or trying to understand like what type of pleasure can I actually get out of this experience if this is where I'm at in a kind of like self-destructive space, Mm -hmm. is this going to be good for me as well? But Mm. then again, linked to that is when you're in a mental space like that, you can't actually make Make, decisions that are 100% safe to yourself. Mm. So it's this very difficult dance that you essentially do I mean back in the day when I was very young or younger and I was just like having sex I realized one day I was dating someone so I wasn't you know my I was done with my first hoe phase in my life (laughs) so I was dating this person and it was the first time that we had sober sex and everything felt so weird because usually we lubricate ourselves you know and and then be like Let's go home. Mm. And then it's very fluid because your body all of a sudden, mm, mm. I can understand you. I don't have to try and read you actually. I can just read what's happening because we're inebriated, mm-hmm. right? And so then I think I was like 22 or something. It was the first time that I had, it wasn't even intentional, but I had sober sex and it felt weird. We were kind mm. of like, eh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, this is weird. And we actually had to have a discussion about that. Yeah. About how different it felt, but how we also want to kind of explore that That's understanding wrong. because it yeah, that realm, which it, it, it just felt so different. Mm. Even nowadays, I mean now I don't drink that much anymore because <laughs> when you're over 30s, guys, the acid reflex is real. 
We can't drink anymore. What, Joel, you're 20s? 24? Yeah, 25? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it five years. You're going to start having one sip of mimosa and be like... That's I'm like, oh my god, it's not, it's not great. So I couldn't yeah. drink that much anymore anyway because my health, you know, my yeah. body. Even I, if you wanted to. I've recognized, exactly. Yes. I've recognized the change that I need hey. to, you know, take care of, mm-hmm. right? Um, where was I now? Shit, I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, you were speaking about your having the sober sex experience. Yeah, and now, oh, I'm having now. Way more, now I'm having way more sober sex mm-hmm. experiences in my life. Um, and I'm enjoying it. And I'm actually like leaning into it. And understanding that I need to listen to myself and my desires, not necessarily mm. what the drink is telling me yes. to desire or what the drug is telling me to desire. Now I decide what I desire. Okay, cool. And if I go on a date with someone and I had 100%, I was like, we're going to fuck, we're going to fuck tonight. And I don't fuck with what you're saying, like the checklist you mm-hmm. said, like I throw out some little tests for you and you just you fail. You fail, everyone, you know, dismally. Get out of here. Then I can decide, yeah, okay. Drink my last drink and I leave. Mm. Whatever it may be. So yeah. I think sex changes as you get older and your and your understanding of mm. it. And right now, I don't need sex any, anymore, guys. Like if if you're not if you're not good, it's it's not gonna yeah, happen. Yeah. I get that. Mm. I think also um just touching on what you said is taking off a lot of limitations on sex. And again, as young people, not necessarily that there's limitations, but I think there's just ways in which you've been socialized that now make that almost all of our sexual experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's like what you're saying about drinking, like I feel like for a lot of young people, like you probably have had more drunk sex than sober sex Mm. or, you know, even, even if that's only been like after one drink, you Mm. know, but it's like, it's, it's definitely been socialized to be that way. And I would even say again, like um, with sex and pleasure, like even in the conversation um, that we're having about sex, like not all, well, rather not everything that we're speaking about is like all like penetrative, you know, no. even it's like, it's like the foreplay in that. And like, even like some days you, you want to have sex or actually not that you want to have sex, but you want to be touched. So mm. maybe you just want some cuddles and some kisses mm. and really that's where you want to end. But that experience could be very equally sexual, sexual to you. Exactly. And in you guys' docuseries, you did have, um, I think she's a, she's not an African doctor. She's a doctor who's African. <laughs> Dr. Mpume Zenda? Uh, I think so. And she was in the, in the on the age on the age episode. Oh, Dr. Sindiwa Magona. Yes. Yeah, she's an author. She, that's how she got it. Oh, she's an doctorate. author. She's awesome, yeah. Amazing. So she was saying again how for her, sex starts when the person walks in the room. Like mm. when they walk or they walk past you and you smell the and cologne and you're like, like mm. oh my gosh. Or, you know, they buy <laughs> you a brand. drink or they look mm. you. Exactly. It's all this... Yeah, it's all of the stuff that happens before. And even again, she was saying that you sometimes take for granted that women um, make their decisions in the bedroom like that's the moment that she's decided mm. but actually no mm. when she saw you know if she if she got the egg or didn't get the egg that's what that's what this whole thing is about you know yeah um if you were a weirdo at the table or if you weren't yeah. that's actually where those decisions were being mm-hmm. made um and i think that that's true for a lot of people again yeah. like what is your definition of sex right like when yeah. you use the term foreplay like a lot of people are saying like but foreplay is also sex especially when you're a queer person like for me before people would tell me that sex is penis in the vagina. Mm. And that was my, or any form of penetration, yes, specifically specifically the penis penetration. That is when sex starts. So when I was younger, I'd be like, okay, I'm a do everything, but, mm. you know, you can put it everywhere, Except, but in the vagina, yes. because then I'm not a virgin anymore. Mm. Like, and, I, and you know, I'm going to church. I can't, I'm a church girl. Guys, well, like, I'm do that. you can put it so here, you can put it here, you can put it here, but don't put it here, you know, Whoa. <laughs> I'm the virgin, right? 
But then, like, as you grow older, my definition of it has expanded. Yeah. As you said, sometimes it can be as sexual just looking at each other. Mm. And you feel this building, building, mm. building, and you're not really sure where it's coming from, but it's your brains interacting with one another. Or a cuddle can be a sex. Sex cannot be defined by a single definition. It, mm. it cannot be defined. Sex is what you make of it. And I find it very interesting. It's, it's very similar to, like, so I'm, I'm in a partnership now. We're very serious. <laughs> Whatever that may, may mean. But one thing that we have realized in our relationship that was funny in the beginning was sometimes I'd be like, right after sex, I'm like, oh, wow, we just made love. <laughs> like I came and I saw stars. That was love making. And I'd look at them and they'd be like, huh? <laughs> like to them, in just, this specific yeah. context, it was still great, but they didn't define it as like love making. But that was what what I needed in that moment, and that's what I got in that moment. Mm. The next time we'd fuck, they'd be like, "Whoa, baby, whoa!" Now we made love, and then I'm like, "What?" Like <laughs> Not I, to me, we, we <laughs> just had beautiful sex. I, I didn't see it as love making. Mm. It's the same way with sex. Mm. Like we can be cuddling, and in my mind, I'm like, "Damn, bro." We, we, we mm. fucked. That was my definition of sex. And the person who was being cuddled is like, huh, what? I thought I was just, I didn't even touch you. I was yeah. actually watching exactly. the movie. Yeah. So we have different understandings of, mm. of sex, of lovemaking. It's the same thing. It's going to be, be different. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting um, type of concept actually to think about yeah. because then one party will be saying, oh, yeah, we had sex. And another person is like, no, no. guys, like we held hands and I, gave them a hand job <laughs> is that sex so it's very interesting yeah. how mm. there's a big scale for this conversation to happen as well mm. as to how do we define sex and who has the right to define it mm. i was gonna say again we were having a conversation uh, earlier about like disclosure and i think that maybe again even like in sex it's that like there's no need to necessarily disclose. Like that's between the two people that were in the bedroom. You know, mm. you can tell someone like, yeah, I took someone home last night. Like they don't necessarily need to know, know what happened. the intricacies mm -hmm. of that. And yeah, I think that that disclosure should be up to you. And I was saying that also, like as I become um, more part of the queer community and like solidify, solidify myself, like as a proper bisexual person, like that's proper. Okay, we should, we're going to come back to that conversation yeah. because I actually want to find out why you said like that. Let, let's, let's continue. <laughs> um, so yeah, coming into that, I've realized that there's a lot more I think yeah there's, there's just people that um, have sex in a different way to what we were taught so mm. it's not traditional methods of sex happening not traditional bodies happening whatever mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's been really nice to again have that level of privacy where it's like in the bedroom it's only me and you that are speaking about this mm -hmm. or me and you talking about what you like and what I like and I think there's still a playful way that you can that you can do that um, mm -hmm. in the bedroom I think there's still room to playfully say no to playfully ask someone something you know mm -hmm. I mean seriously still but like yes, you yeah. know there's still humor and there's still questions and there's still ongoing discourse you know it's yeah. not just like banging the whole time <laughs> <laughs> also babe like if you self-identify as being queer you don't have to solidify yourself in any community i think mm. i mean coming from a queer person i can't speak for everyone else but i'm a queer person and something that i've realized especially with some of my friends who are straight is they will you know be swiping left and right also on women mm. or on all genders whatever is now on whatever dating app they're on and they're like yeah but i don't really see myself as queer because i haven't like had the physical experience yeah. or the physical manifestation of something and i'm like well when you were quote unquote straight and you were a virgin you 100 percent you yourself yeah. as straight and you were like okay i'm straight i'm straight i'm straight but you had no physical experience mm -hmm. you are queer once you accept yourself to be queer mm -hmm. you, you understand what yeah. i'm saying <clears throat> you don't need to up your numbers or oh fuck i fucked 20 dudes 
now I need to fuck 10 non-binaries and 10 women. <laughs> and, you know, and, then all, and then I'm going to be the best bisexual, whatever queer yeah. that exists. Um, to me personally, I, that's not, mm. that's a very sad way. Because now you must, did you fill in your form? Mm. By the queer uh, did academy. You, did you, yeah. did you, did you, did you get your approval? <laughs> no, but I like, I literally have such a similar, or I had such mm. a similar orientation towards like, um, similar orientation towards it as well because I also had that whole thing like especially like in university when I was like okay I'm feeling like this whatever then I'd be like okay I'm bi and then they'd be like oh but like the track record is saying otherwise <laughs> like it's men 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 and then one girl here and there and I'm like but like after a while I'm like it doesn't matter because it's I'm open to all of that experience and that's how I see myself and that's how I identify and so it doesn't matter because again I'm mm. also not somebody who is gonna have lots of sex with lots of people so mm. I was never gonna get the verification if there was a committee I was never gonna get that verification <laughs> anyway so I, yeah I think that it is just a way of being and the way you see yourself like I, that's why I love queer um, rather than any other identifier like mm. I don't want to say I'm by say I'm like this I'm like this like I think queer is such a beautiful way to to say it because it, it's you are who you are and what you are mm. and you don't owe it to anyone to define like my queerness is like this and yes. I do two like two guys and then one non-binary person and one you know woman like it's what you want and what you make it yes. and like I think in like even your like it's in how we're saying like terming sex and what sex means to you. It's what it means to you. And your sex and my sex might be different. Yes. Same as your queer and my queer might be different, which is mm. what I think is so beautiful about it because this whole boxing of things and it must be like this and like that. I feel like that's the, why we have all these problems with mm. sex is because everyone made it this thing. Like, and it has to be exactly like this, like this, like this. So then when yeah. other things are happening, you don't think you're having sex, but you are, but you feel weird. Like, mm. I am. Um, when you let it all go. I think it's more about finding community. So mm. when, when I came out, I was 20. Well, I never came out. I just started living my life. But <laughs> let me use the term came out for simplicity. When I came out, I was 21. And I realized then how straight or heteronormative all my friends were. And the communities that, that, that I was in. So... <clears throat> All of the communities were so straight, even in their way of thinking, mm. that I didn't really know where to find at the time. I was looking for lesbians because what did I yeah. know? So I was like, where can I find lesbians? I had to actually go and look and talk to those token lesbians that I knew yeah. to be like, where do you hang out? Like, I need to find communities, not necessarily to fuck people. That's not really what it is about. I just want to find other people so, that, that I can relate to at mm. that time. And so... Um, yeah, I just want to affirm you in terms of if you need to find community, yeah, that's a completely different thing. Mm. But this whole thing, like my best friend, uh, yeah, I'm not going to name her, but she's also going through something similar to you. It's like, she's really like into some woman, but she's also like, but I can't call myself queer and I feel like an imposter. I also felt like an imposter. Mm. And the, the imposter syndrome will go away with time mm. um, as you just start to be more comfortable in your queerness. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I think for me, I've always just like, I think I really do actually um, probably relate more to the the term queer than anything else. Because mm. for me, it's always been a case of like, I like what I like. Mm. I think bisexuality is probably, I probably have been hanging around a lot of straight people. That's probably my <laughs> issue right now. <laughs> um, love you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. Um, but yeah, I think that that's what it is. I was saying to Mbali, was something that I really, I think I've appreciated in the queer community is like actually coming to terms with rejection um, mm. and even bring rejection into the conversation about sex. Because I think that, it's part like it's it's part of it. Someone can yes. say yes, someone can say no. But what I what I want to shed light on specifically with the queer community is just because everyone's different, you know. Mm. You might be interested to certain 
like fashion styles. You mm. might not like people who wear like straight, like it's things like that. Mm. Um, it, I think with the queer community, it might also be, some people are like even attracted to energies. Like there's mm. all sorts of different things. So you could meet someone who's queer and not necessarily be compatible. The same mm-hmm. way you meet someone who's straight and not you're not compatible. Mm-hmm. But I think again, like, whoever's on the receiving end of rejection I think there needs to be a new conversation to say like rejection is part of this experience you know for as many yeses you get you know you got to get some no's you know Mm. there's someone Mm. who can tick all the boxes for you but then they're not interested and you have to be like cool like that's really that's really fun and people people are allowed to have choices about those Mm. kinds of things I recently had an experience like that like where I was so into this person. It doesn't happen a lot, guys. But <laughs> I was so into her. I was so into her. And like, I just like got rejected. And it had heartbreak for the first time in a yeah. very, very long time in my life. Like being rejected, guys, is not easy. But again, you got to take it into your stride. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean the end of your friendship or the end of your relationship. Rejection happens even within serious relationships or partnerships. Mm-hmm. My partner that I live with now, we reject each other all the time. Mm. Right? Like, you know, and that's just part of okay, cool. You don't want me to touch you like that. Cool. Let's just cuddle. Let's, let's regroup. Let's, yeah, let's, regroup. let's keep it going. You can mm-hmm. always relationships are fluid. Mm. And the nature of that relationship can change because of its fluidity. Mm. So if someone rejects me now, cool, let's regroup. Yeah. And figure out a way to move forward together. Positively. Instead of it being this thing where I was now rejected and now for the rest of my life I must live with this rejection yeah this anger it was just a regroup guys I think also for me like it's it's always going to sound egotistical but I'm like especially making the move from dating um well just dating men and then like starting to date more women men like I would say like the success rate is like 99.9% like it's pretty easy you could you could just go stand at a bar and then like and it's not even about you yeah it's not about you actually actually, it's just because I don't have a penis so then they're like great this is awesome this is awesome (laughs) so yeah men also have that weird complex but I think then dating woman where it's like again it, it just changes yeah like you know and yeah women are they actually are harder to impress or mm-hmm. you know they might they might have standards there's no there's no cheap thrills here no cheap thrills <laughs> yeah there's no cheap thrills <laughs> buying her a drink is not going to impress her like get with the program and again even if you like someone that much it doesn't mean that they're going to like you back yeah and the one thing that i will say that's been different in rejection is that i see the men that i meet and their reaction to how um like you know the reaction to the rejection and then I experienced a rejection also like from a woman like I also know what it's like to get rejected from a woman from a by a fly shoddy it's so it's tough tough. because you think you're the best you think you fly and you think and then she's like "Mm -mm, mm -mm." and that's that's so like you know but again even in my reaction it's just been like okay regroup then I go go buy a drink for myself yeah (laughs) but it's like the men that I interact with it's never like that then it's like Oh, well, yeah, like, I never liked you. Or, oh, if you, like, whatever. I'm always not crying. Mm. <laughs> I, I had a dude who cried once when I said no. We were in the bedroom and we got really heavy. And then one at some point I was just like, I don't, I don't want, want to. I don't want this anymore. I'm going to retract this concept. So I said to him, yeah, like, I was feeling it, but I actually want to go home now. It's like two in the morning and I'm starting to get dressed and he goes to the bathroom and he comes out like with tears on his eyes. To the, he probably was it real? Fucking, yeah, I was like, was it real tears? Or was it so- and he was like, I didn't understand how you could do this to me. Like we were just, we were already there. Look, I was, I was 20 at the time. I okay. Was I was very young. So I might've pretty fucked him afterwards. Now I would never do that. Yeah. To yeah. the young ones. You don't have to do that. Don't mercy fuck people. Guys. Yeah. I, I used to mercy fuck quite a lot of people because 
they would cry or do like weird do stuff. something weird now you feel weird yeah it's been 13 years since that time i'm 32 now so i've mm. learned a lot but like when you just start having sex people will manipulate you mm -hmm. and they'll try to make you feel bad for being like ain't like i don't want this mm. anymore like you don't have to messy fuck some of my friends who i was friends with at the time still friends with they'll remember back in the day i used to be like just pretty fucking man it's fine it's fine just pretty fuck him i would actually say that to people when i was 19 years old I'm like ah man i pretty fuck a lot of people it's fine when you're there and you look at the dick and you're like ish the meat isn't what it is you know what you want but charity <laughs> but i'm gonna yeah I'm like, I'm like girl this is not an ngo <laughs> not that i'm saying it's not a feeding scheme you're yeah, not an ngo so now like obviously many years later i'm like damn girl you had issues you were giving like, some <laughs> bad someone gave me bad advice that's you know, the thing again, and it's, it's natural yeah it happens so i must cater to you even when i check the meat and i'm like it's not happening so i must still cater to you yeah like that is what we're taught and that's sad my number could have been so much lower not that numbers are important <laughs> i just mean yeah. that there's a couple of people i wish they you didn't yeah <laughs> and again like you can even you can even change your mind like, you definitely in can the, in, in the situation like you said where um you retracted <laughs> if you retract and you want to go home again in the morning and you're like actually i lied you can, can do that. You still have the freedom of doing that. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, again, but in, in, in some circumstances, you might wake up and be like, actually, I was right. So like, I'm glad. Thank I'm glad goodness. I'm glad yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I think <laughs> that is we are getting towards the end of our conversation. Mm. I'm not sure if there's anything else that you guys want to touch on. Mm. Any other thing? Did we even speak about the stuff that we've got to talk about? I, mean, I literally just remember yeah. something <laughs> thinking about, about all of these things. No. <laughs> I just personally I just think that people need to write their own chapters on sex mm -hmm. we have so much of you know older people when we were younger telling us what sex is mm. what it shouldn't be how you should feel about it how you should not feel about it what you should open what you should keep closed right mm -hmm. um so it's a lot of this like inserting into our brains before we can even make understand decisions. it ourselves mm. right so for now, now that we're older, now that we're of consenting age, and now that the internet is there and we can be smart by Googling stuff, right? Now I just think that I'm encouraging people to write their own narrative um, and their own understanding of it mm. and unlearn the things that is harmful to you. Like that is the most important thing when it comes to sex. It's not about finding a definition it's not about finding the best sexual partner, about having the lowest or the highest number, mm. or about not having an STI ever in your life. No one cares about those things. That's not really the important thing. It's how do you want to think about sex? How do you want to engage with sex? Mm. And being okay with that changing over the course of your lifetime. Yeah. Mm. That's the only thing. Mm. And then you can extend that understanding past your sexual life. Yeah. Be fluid in all parts of your life. And I think you'll be able to find magic. Mm. <laughs> and really, yeah, I, I agree. I think also we have to, and I, we've touched on it so many times during this conversation, is like as much as we need to, like we expect other people to practice safe sex and to show up in a way that makes us comfortable. Like we have to take ownership and take um, accountability for our own sex lives and for the sex that we're having and make sure that we are responsible partners to others. Like we can't always have that expectation. Like, yeah, like they must be prepared or they must like check themselves. Like we have to also like, as much as we're, we're receiving, we have to give. And I think that that's really changed my orientation and that's made me a better sexual partner is when I realized, okay, this is also my thing. I also need to take responsibility. Mm. And that's not only for safety, it's like for 
pleasure for what you like for what you want this moment to be I think it's so nice to insert yourself and make yourself like prioritize yourself and experience in the experience like as much as you prioritize your partner because I think the rhetoric has always been as a woman you must be subordinate and it's this experience that happens to you it's happening to you or you have to be this pinnacle of like the sexy girl who's going to do the things I think it's so important to prioritize what does it look like to you how do you want to be centered and valued in this experience just as much as you want to give to someone else like I think that that has been my little two cents or my baby step in in my sexual <laughs> journey right now and that's making me really happy it's like centering myself as much as I center the other person is really important I love that like I don't want to make this about age but you're like eight years younger than me and just hearing you say that as mm. someone you know who is in their early 20s is is beautiful because yeah. that takes it took me much longer than that like I was already mm. on my journey at the age of 24 I was writing about sex and all of those things but it it took me a very long time to actually get to the point where I'm like, ain't like I'm fine with yeah. with it being not being that way. Yeah. You know, or like for, or centering myself. Mm. Like this feels good. I'm going to center myself. And I think I think that's a beautiful thing. I mm. hope this happens younger and younger and younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be about sex. Again, it can just be about your body. Life. Yeah. yeah. Again, like you said, I don't want to touch you. I don't wanna want you to <laughs> hug me. I don't wanna do these things, mm. but I'm willing to do this. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I, yeah, it's it's just nice to to hear that these conversations are happening younger and younger. It's beautiful. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I think also like the one thing that I always say is like we all have access to the same internet. Yeah. Like you know, and I think that you know it's not harmful at all to yourself to just brush up on like knowledge that you just you might not have. Like how long do girls get periods for? If you need to know that, you need to know that. Mm-hmm. You know, do a cheeky little Google at night when you yeah. can't sleep. No one is reading your search history. Like, yeah. you know, besides the government, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> your FBI agent. Yeah. But be, like, as I say, be street smart when you go out, be URL smart. Mm. Don't go into weird links where they're going to teach you weird stuff, right? Mm. And if you're looking for a feminist understanding, add the word feminist to it. Mm. Uh, like, feminist education on menstrual health if you want something more progressive because we don't know what your algorithm is going to give to you mm-hmm. when you google certain things so if you want something more progressive type that in type mm-hmm. that into your keywords exactly. as well be you are all smart like yeah. especially like even you said authors like don't read a t- um, uh, an article about marginalized communities written by a, a white, white a straight man, like yeah. a straight white man. Mm-hmm. Don't read articles about women's health written by men. You exactly. know, yeah. yeah, just be a little bit smarter. I think yeah. that that's 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 some very I think insightful information. Um, we have reached the end of our conversation. Mm-hmm. We hope that we've given you guys a lot of stuff to think about and hopefully more to actually talk about with your friends, with your family. Maybe in your phone. <laughs> um, with yourself. Yeah, with yourself. <laughs> but yeah, we really just want to get the information out there. Kim, I want to say major thank you to you mm-hmm. to coming out today and bringing the vibes <laughs> and bringing the jokes. I don't think we could have done it without you. Yeah. Um, and Buddy, thank you so much for your contribution. <laughs> always a great time to work with you. And you. Always, babe. <laughs> Thank you so much to the audience for watching. We just want to say a major thank you to Levi's House of Strauss for hosting us today. Mm-hmm. Um, in their beautiful, beautiful space, as you can see all around <laughs> us. So thank you to them for collabor- collaborating with us on this. And we hope to see you guys again sometime soon. Thank you so much for watching and for sharing your time with us. Please remember to like, follow and subscribe. Our account is at Black Health on all social media platforms. And Kim is at Blazing Non-Binary. <laughs>